The Bible said, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. It came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she called him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. It came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. And he came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. It came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. I want to preach to you for a few moments on this subject tonight, Joseph the servant. 
We noticed last night that Joseph was a favored son of his father. And then we notice here tonight in chapter 39 that God has moved him into the position of being a servant. This is always God's order. He's not interested in you serving him before you become a son. A lot of folks are loaded down with religion talking about how much they're going to do for God. But I don't care to hear how much you're going to do for God until you can tell me, first of all, how much God has done for you. And so Joseph is a son, but then certainly, after you become a child of God and the son of the Most High, uh, he will will it that you become a servant, as he willed his own son to become a servant in this world. Each one of us will find an occupation of service in this world uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Joseph becomes a servant. God is interested in us being servants before we become sovereigns or before we reign on any throne. Now we would like to uh, take a shortcut and go across the field and somehow get to the palace without having to be a servant, but that's never God's will. Uh, the only way up is to start at the bottom and then go up. And so God humbles us and he tells us to be abased and he said in due time I will exalt you. And so this is the lesson in Joseph's life. He is a servant. It has been God's will to allot him a time in this world to become a servant. But I want to suggest to you with another little phrase connected to that. Joseph is a servant and he is a real bargain. Now, I don't know how much you know about uh, bargains or deals, how much you look for them or how much you can find them. I've never been uh, too good at it. I heard about a fellow down in Texas near the Mexican border, and he was looking around, and there was a Mexican there that was selling some things, and he had a horse for sale, and he said the horse was for sale for $10. And that American farmer looked that horse over and he thought, man, I'm telling you, this must be some kind of a real deal. There's got to be something wrong with him. Uh, so he goes over to the uh, Mexican and he said, this horse you've got here, he said, uh, is that the right price? He said, yes, sir, it is. It, it, uh, it, it is $10. He said, well, what's wrong with him? He said, nothing. He just don't look so good. And he looked at the horse, looked fine to him, so... He gave him the ten dollars, took the horse home, and, and he didn't he harnessed him up, began to plow with him. He didn't plow long till he realized something was wrong. He was running over the rows, running into the fence post, staggering around. So he took him back to the Mexican. He said, Man, did you know that you sold me a blind horse? He said, I tell you, he don't look so good. <laughs> well, you've got to watch out for a lot of those deals. I remember uh, several years ago, eight or ten years ago, I was up in Ohio, and me and a, another pastor, his wife, my wife, were out at a yard sale, and uh, we saw a bowling ball there. Well, my wife and myself had probably bowled a total of eight to ten times, maybe in our whole marriage of 25 years, but I mean, it fit her hand, and you just couldn't beat it. It was three dollars for a bowling ball. So we bought the bowling ball, and we brought it home, and put it away, and it stayed away all of those years. 
And finally, my wife decided to have a yard sale. Lo and behold, she come upon that bowling ball and decided that she would sell it. She put the price of a dollar on it, and would you believe we couldn't sell it? <laughs> and it wasn't until just this, we, we resigned the church, moved to Boone, had a yard sale to get rid of all that extra stuff, and, and, and the bowling ball was right there amongst all the other items and we couldn't sell it for a dollar. The fellow came by and said, I'll give you 25 cents. I said, sold. <laughs> I'll let you have it. Well, I've never been too good at them real deals. I'm always late on the real deals or the bargain. Or, or a real deal for me is something that is either broke or something like that, you know. But uh, in our text, in Genesis 39, I find that there are three real deals in the life of Joseph being a servant. Three real bargains that are found there, and I want to emphasize them for just a few moments. I want you to notice with me in our text, in verse number 1, I find a real bargain in Joseph's cost. The Bible said in verse number 1, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. Now, I don't know how much Potiphar paid for Joseph. I have no idea. I know how much Joseph was bought for by the hands of the Ishmaelites of his, uh, from his brethren. He paid 20, they paid 20 pieces of silver for him. And they brought him down into Egypt. Of course, he's set upon the slave block and he is sold there. Uh, I'm sure they want to make some kind of profit. He's a young man, somewhere around 17 years old, stout and sturdy and smart. And so they may have asked 30 pieces of silver for him. They may have went as high as 45 or 50 pieces of silver. I don't know, maybe even 60 pieces of silver for this young Hebrew boy. But can I say to you, no matter how much Potiphar paid for Joseph, as I read this text, I come to the conclusion that he made a real bargain in this purchase. As a matter of fact, I think probably you could ask him, if you could ask him, what was the best deal that you ever made, Potiphar, as a businessman? He would probably say, when I bought a Hebrew boy uh, for the small cost of whatever it was, 40 or 50 pieces of silver. Joseph is a real deal in his cost. I guess we could prelude this, or we could say in the beginning, I wonder how much you're worth. I wonder how much I'm worth. I've often thought about folks joining the church. I, I wonder if they're worth the paper and ink it is to write their name down on the rolls. Sometimes you don't know. I wonder about you, sir. Were you worth the time of that bride putting on that bridal dress and walking down the aisle for you? I wonder about you, ma'am. Were you worth the time that the husband stood there waiting for you to come down the aisle? I wonder, and then I think about the price that the Lord paid for every one of us. I wonder if we were worth it. But here I notice that Joseph's worth every penny that was paid for him as a servant. He is worth it, first of all, because in verse number 5, he is a blessed servant. The Bible said it came to pass from time to time that it made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had 
in the house and in the field. Joseph is a blessed servant. Now, he not only is a blessing in good times, but he is a blessing in bad times. Joseph is an example of a Christian who who knows how to be a blessing and is a blessing no matter what the elements or the circumstances in his life uh, is. Uh, Here he is at his bottom. I mean, he is as low as he has ever been as far as altitude is concerned. He has been sold and purchased. He has become a slave, if you please, in the land of Egypt. But while he is there, his altitude never changes his attitude. He was a blessing when he was at home. In the, in the favor of his father, and he is a blessing here when it seems as though everything has turned against him. And then when he takes the throne in the latter part of these uh, chapters, he is still a blessing. So no matter where he's at, he is a blessing. That's why that there's a great, uh, uh, I'll tell you, a great deal in his purchase. I don't know how much Potiphar was worth, when he bought Joseph, but I guarantee you he was three or four times more uh, uh, richer as a result of this purchase and because of this blessing that Joseph became. Now, I noticed in the 22 years that I pastored that a lot of folks came through and one of their favorite things would be, they would say this, they would say, Preacher, we're looking for a place where we can get a blessing. Well, that's pretty good, but that's not the kind of church member I wanted. (laughs) I did want somebody coming through looking for a blessing. I wanted somebody coming through looking to be a blessing. And I tell you, those were the folks that were the real bargains. And here Joseph is a bargain because... Whether he's in the field or whether he's in the office, wherever he is at, he has an attitude of being a blessing. No doubt Potiphar noticed that wherever he placed Joseph, it seemed to be a prosperous situation and people seemed to work better there than anywhere else because he was such a blessing in his attitude. I remember uh, two or three years after I took the last church that I pastored, I ran into a fellow, I passed it on Prison Camp Road. We had two prisons on that road. And I ran into an old boy up there by the name of Robert Lipskin. He was a colored fellow. And he had been in prison for about 10 years, but he had gotten saved right after he went into prison. My, he had an overwhelming testimony. They had moved him from that prison to about an hour and 15 minutes away to a, a place called Asheville, a prison over there. And I would go over there and visit him. And my, I tell you, he just had the fragrance of the Lord upon him. And uh, so I wanted him to preach a revival for me. Could you believe it? <laughs> so I went to the warden that uh, was over the prison next to the house, and he didn't even claim to be a Christian. And I said to him, Sir, I'd like for you to do me a favor. I'd like for you to have Robert transferred over here, and then I can just come up here next door. I can take him to the church at night, he can preach, and then I'll take him back. And he looked at me, and he said, you know, I'd like to have Robert here all the time. I said, why is that? He said, we had a different atmosphere here when Robert was here. Now, you think about that, a sinner talking like that. 
And he said, I'll do that if you'll do one thing for me. I said, what's that? He said, you'll take the messages and bring them to me, and I promise you, I'll listen to them. And old Robert came, my, did God mightily move as he, as he preached. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, oftentimes, folks ask him. They said, Robert, how much time are you serving? And if you've ever visited a prisoner or talked to a prisoner, that's, that's their language. How much time are you serving? And he would always say, I'm not serving time. I'm serving Jesus. What a way to look at it. What a blessing. And, of course, that's been many years ago. Since then, he's been out probably 10, 12, maybe more years than that. Assistant pastor, and I preach with him in other places since then. But what a blessing he was. Even though he's locked up in prison, he had such a permeating spirit about him that he could be a blessing there. And so Joseph is a real bargain, but in the worst hour of his life, he still continues to be a blessing and an asset to everybody. You're here, and you're a part of this church. You're a part of your family. You're a part of this community. You're a part of the place where you work. Not to grumble and moan and groan, but to be a blessing as Christ was when he came into this world. He is a blessed servant. Not only is he a blessed servant, now I think there's a real bargain in him because of that, but uh, he is also a grateful servant. Notice with me, if you will, in verse number 9. Verse 7, we notice Potiphar's wife comes and tempts him as if things are not bad enough. And verse number 8, he refuses and he says, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. He doesn't know even what he owns. He's put everything in my hands. And there's none greater in this house than I. Think about that, how he has been promoted as a result of his attitude and his being a blessing. He has been promoted by God. He hasn't kept back anything from me. Now think about that. You know what Joseph is saying? Anything that I have wanted, my master has said yes to it. That's what he said. And he said, the only thing that I can't have is you. Because you belong to him. <laughs> and then he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Amen. You know what this is? This is a young man, though he has been mistreated and done extremely wrong, yet he has a grateful spirit about him. I believe the very key that kept him from falling into this treacherous trap of sin is called gratefulness or thankfulness. This is why so much in the Bible... The scripture encourages us to give thanks in all things because God knows that a grateful heart and a thankful heart is always a faithful heart and it will keep you from temptation and from sin. 
He said, I can't fool with you, woman. I appreciate your master, too, my master too much. And I can't fool around with you because I appreciate God too much. And I tell you, if he'd been down on God and then he'd been down on his master and he'd been down on his circumstances, he might have thrown in the towel and said, well, what's the use? I might as well give up and go ahead anyhow. I really think this is the key to, to, to keep from falling into any sin. You see, a man that is grateful for his wife. Now listen to this. A man that is grateful for his wife will always remain faithful to her. And vice versa. And so it is with the church. When you are thankful for your pastor and thankful for your church, you will always remain faithful. But when you cease to have an attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness, the next step is unfaithfulness, no matter what the relationship is. No matter what it is. But he has a grateful spirit. Thank God. He's not, he's not moaning and groaning. He's, he's, he, has a blessed, he is a blessed servant. He is a grateful servant. Don't you think tonight he's a real bargain? The bargain is in your attitude. You know, I think that if you could ask Potiphar tonight what he liked most about this boy, I believe he would say to you, I like him because he had a forgiving spirit. Now, it's not in our text here tonight, but it's on over. We'll notice it later on in the week that eventually the time comes, you know, when this boy who is put in prison because of Potiphar's wife and how she has, she has lied, he is put in prison and spends those uh, at least two years there, and they bind him with fetters, Psalm 105 says, and, and they heard him. And, uh, but eventually he is brought up out of there. When he got the news that there had been a new prime minister appointed in Egypt, <laughs> one who controls all the economy, all the military, one who controls everything. As a matter of fact, the decree has just come forth that says no man can raise a hand or a foot unless this new prime minister allows it to be so. The Bible said he could bind their princes at his will and he taught their senators, honey. He was top dog. Pharaoh essentially said, I'm going on vacation, boy. You take over. You run the show. And then, I tell you, it comes down and uh, Potiphar gets word of it. <laughs> and he is told that there is a new prime minister. And he says, well, who's it going to be this time? Oh, some boy just got out of prison. <laughs> some boy just got out of prison. You wouldn't happen to know his name, would you? Hebrew boy. Hebrew? His name's not Joseph, is it? They said, sure is. Can you see him getting pale and sickly? And he says, I'm going to have to leave. I've got to go home. I'm sick. And he goes home, and, and the first thing he does is he, he, he gets his wife, and he says, honey, do you know what's happened today? No, I've been shopping. What is it? Well, God, a new prime minister. Well, what's the news about that? His name is Joseph. Boy, can you see her countenance drop? I can see her saying, Honey, I don't believe I want anything to eat this evening. 
Don't you imagine they felt awful uncomfortable? Here is a man that all he has to do is give the word. And I can look, see them as they look at one another and, she, and, and, and they talk and, and, and they say, you know, I, he'll be here right after supper. He'll come and get us before dark. I know he will. He's going to pay us back. But he doesn't show up at dark. And they say, well, we, he, he'll be here before daylight. He wants to do it after dark so nobody will know it. And so they can't sleep all night. I don't imagine they slept that night waiting on the soldiers to come and drag them cruelly out of their houses and torture them and put them to death. They don't sleep a wink. But by early morning, he hasn't shown up. He doesn't show up that day, the next day, nor the next day. You know why? He's not in the spirit of getting even. He's got the spirit of Christ. He's got a forgiven spirit. I'd say he's a real bargain. Anybody else would cut their head off. Beat them severely about the head and shoulders. There is a bargain in his cost. And I guess I could say again, it's all wrapped up in the attitude. My wife's grandfather died at 96. He was a preacher throughout, pioneered churches throughout the mountains. And I visited him all the way up till he passed away. And, and uh, one of the things that he said to me as I would leave his presence, he would always look at me and uh, as a young preacher, I wondered why he said this, but he would say, young man, take care of your spirit. Now, he's 96 years old. There's a lot of things he could have given me as, as far as advice is concerned, but the thing that he thought was most important was my spirit, and I soon realized that if my spirit ever got contaminated, I was contaminated all over. He is a real deal in his cost. Now, I want you to notice with me secondly, not only is there, uh, there a bargain in his cost, but there is another deal that takes place here, and this deal is, has to do with his coat. There is a bargain in his coat. Now, I read you the verses, verse 8, verse 9, verse 7, 8 and 9, how that Potiphar's wife tempts him. And he assures her that he cannot because of his master and because of his God whom he loves. But she spake to him day after day in verse 10. And it came to pass he had to go into the house. And uh, in verse number 12, she caught him by his garment. She caught him by his coat. And she said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now here's the deal. He didn't have to leave that coat behind. He could have stayed with the coat and went through with what she wanted and he could have walked out with that coat. I mean, it, it took him 11 years to get that coat. He's been serving hard service and worked his way up and now he's tops in Potiphar's family and in the business and he's probably got the nicest coat that represents his position. And it's all going to go down the drain. If he walks out the door and he leaves that coat, he's going to lose it all. He'll lose everything if he leaves that coat behind because she's going to use that coat as substantial evidence against him. And in walking out, he's going to lose so much. He'll lose his coat. And if he loses his coat, he'll lose his job. He'll lose his position. 
He'll lose all the time that he had invested. He'll lose his reputation because she goes out and tells everybody what he has done. He loses his freedom because he's going to go to jail. He loses ever in a second's time. When she took that coat off his back, he lost everything. I don't know if that bothered him much because he's getting used to losing coats by now. <laughs> Remember they took his coat that his daddy made him and now they're taking this coat and he got by without the first one. He probably figures I'll get by without the second one. But you know, that there's a, there's a deal in this coat. A bargain in it. He could have kept that coat. But I want to tell you something. You've got to watch out for some of the deals that come your way in life. Let me just mention two or three things about deals that you've got to watch out for. First of all, you've got to watch out for the deals that are silent or secret. Secret. Notice, first of all, the deals that are secret. In verse number 11 and 12, he's in the house alone with her. Now, if anybody comes up to you and whispers and says, Psst, I want to make a real deal with you, but don't tell nobody else. Well, you better be careful of that deal. Amen. If they don't want anybody, I mean, you go to buy a car and the guy says, come here, I don't want to tell nobody now. This is just a deal just for you. I wouldn't do this for anybody else, but I'm going to do it for you, but don't tell nobody. Uh, you better just back off from that deal. The deals of which uh, they don't want anybody else to know about it. I mean, if somebody's offering you a deal, but they say, don't let your pastor know about it. Somebody offers you a deal, a young person says, but don't tell your mom and daddy. Somebody offers you a deal, I'm going to tell you the problem with Adam and Eve is the devil made a deal with her before Adam was even around. The devil wants to get you by yourself and then he wants to make a deal with you. You watch out for the deals that are secret. You need to watch out for the deals that are silent. I notice that when he... Uh, she propositions him. Uh, she offers him one thing, and that's all she's got to talk about. She said, I, 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 I want you, and I want you. But I noticed Joseph came back to her, and he said, now wait a minute. All you want to talk about is the one thing that I'm, that I'm not supposed to have. Again, that goes back to the Garden of Eden. Isn't it amazing when the devil came into the garden? He didn't come in complimenting all the trees that God had made for Adam and Eve. He came in talking about the one tree that they weren't supposed to have. And you know what the devil will do? He won't come to you talking to you about the many blessings and many things that God has allowed in your life and wants you to have. He'll always bring to your attention one thing that you're not supposed to have and he'll get your mind consumed on that thing. Have you ever noticed how the devil will just narrow someone's life down to one thing and that one thing will control them, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it is? That's all he wants to get your mind on? Look at me, Joseph. You like me, Joseph? He said, no. I've got too many other things on my mind. What a, let's talk about everything else I can have. My master won't hold back anything from me. I can have it all. You're the only thing I can't have. Well, she didn't want to talk about that. Neither does the devil nor the world. You've got to watch out 
for the deals that are secret and silent. And you got to watch out for the deals that are shattering because if he ever gives in to this deal, he's in a world of trouble. In a world of trouble. He lost so much when he walked out that night and left that coat behind. But I say there is a real deal in this coat because he left that night with some things that you could never put a price on. He did not have his coat. He did not have his job. He did not have his freedom. But he had his character. He had his conscience when he laid down that night. And he still had the calling and the hand of God upon him because he refused to make a deal with that woman. He was going to serve God and not her. Say there's a real deal in that in that coat. A real deal always to go with God. See, there's a real real bargain in his cost. There's a real bargain in his coat. Sure is. And if you can ask him, Joseph, what was the best deal you ever made? He'd say, the day I let that woman have my coat and went with God. But can I say to you lastly tonight, there is a real bargain in his choice. When you consider that God wants Joseph to be a servant. I mean, there's just no way around it. He understands that. He again said to his brethren, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. God wants me down here. He accepted the fact that God wanted him to be a servant. And he was willing to take the role and the position of a servant so that he might honor God while he's there in the land of Egypt. He takes that. He accepts that. He chooses to be a servant. You see, a lot of times, God wants certain things in our lives and certain things out of our lives, but we don't want that, and we fight against what God wills to be, things that we cannot change, that God has willed to be. We will fight against it. Many times it is not easy. But I'm going to tell you something. Joseph chose chose what God wanted for his life, and that was to be a servant. But I can hear, I can hear others talk, and they, could, they would probably say, well, you know, he's crazy. He throwed away his seniority, lost that, who knows how much that coat cost, and uh, now he's in prison. Looks like he'd had better sense than that. I'll tell you, he had a choice to make, and he made the choice to go with God. And it'll always pay off when you go with God. Mark it down. There is a bargain in his choice. First of all, when you think about his company. (laughs) Have Have you ever studied about the servants of God in the Bible? What a high rank and file that is. And what an honor it would be to be numbered among the servants. My goodness, you think about it. The Bible talks about Moses and it says that Moses was a servant of God. The Lord said it about Job himself to the devil. He said, have you considered my servant Job? 
Elijah was said to be a servant of God. Elisha was a servant of God. All through the Old Testament, men of that stature were servants of God. And when we come to the New Testament, John the Baptist was a servant of God. Paul wrote and said, Paul, a servant of God. And and Peter wrote, a servant of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself is in the same lot because he said, I am a servant, I come to serve. Now that's a pretty good class of people. No matter how the world looks at the humble calling that we may have in this world, and no matter how they look down upon us, it is a high calling to be called a servant of the Most High God. I, would, I feel sorry for them fellows that are running for president, don't you? I wouldn't have it if they raised the pay. <laughs> I wouldn't trade my job. For all the gold and Fort Knox, if there's any there. Because I'm a servant of the Most High. That's an honor. What an honor to be accounted among the number. And one of these days in glory. Can you imagine the names that are inscribed and inscribed in glory of the servants? There it's going to be. Moses and, uh, and uh, Job and, and David and, and Elijah and Elijah and Jeremiah and John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul and Peter and James and, and Dana Williams. Thank God. And there won't be no big ones and little servants. We all going to be servants. Get around sometimes, folks that think they're higher and mightier than you are. Maybe you feel like you're being looked down on, but I don't believe heaven's going to be like that. I believe Elijah's going to be as interested in my service as I am his service. And I'm going to sit around and talk to Abraham about it. I'm going to say, Abe, I remember when you gave up everything, left the land of the Chaldees and followed God. Well, let me tell you about the day when I gave up everything in a little place called Spruce Pine and started out preaching for God. No, Abraham will clap his hands and say, Amen, boy, I'm glad you done it. Yeah. yeah! Don't you love to run into God's servants? Yeah. Oh, so Elijah sits and talks about calling fire down out of heaven and all of these things, all the saints of God. And they're going to turn and say, Dana, tell us about how it was down there when you was a preaching. Oh, I say, boys, listen, here's the way it was. <laughs> We're going to have a time. And I'll be accounted among the servants of God. And old Joseph's going to be there too. Ain't that a blessing? Yeah. I say there's a real bargain in our company. Well, I'm so glad that God saved me 31 years ago and put into my life hundreds, I could almost say thousands of, of wonderful Christians and preachers to influence my children. I mean, I was thinking today, it was whiz around uh, the preachers and Stephen's down with me and him being able... I mean, we, we just have a good time in the Lord. You walk away, you still feel clean in the Lord. And uh, you've talked about the things of God and fellowships and, and, and my son's been able to get in all of that because I'm running 
with some old dogs and big dogs. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I should have left that alone, I mean. <laughs> but I'm glad all over this country I've met those people that I have so much utmost confidence in. I'm glad to be a part of those that have sold out for Jesus and have said no, no to the world. Thrills my heart. There's a bargain in his choice when you consider the company. But then can I say there's a bargain in his choice and I close with this when you consider the comparison. You see, everybody serves something or somebody. Don't come in here tonight and say, well, I ain't, gonna, I ain't serving nobody. Oh, yes, you are. You're either serving God or you're serving the devil. You're either serving the Lord or you're serving the flesh. You're either serving in righteousness or you're serving in the spirit of sinfulness, honey. Everybody's serving somebody or something. Which one do you want to serve? How do you want it to end up? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Never be sorry for that. But consider the comparison. Let's just suppose that Joseph kept his coat. God forbid, but let's suppose he kept his coat. And let's suppose that he gave in to this woman. To her evil, sinful desires. Could you imagine what his life would have been like the rest of his days? Hell on earth. Because he would have had one master. And it would have been that woman. And every day she would have said, Joseph, come here. I want you to go down to such and such a place and tell so and so to come here, that the master's not at home. And I can see Joseph saying, but ma'am, Mrs., you know the master won't be put, Joseph, you don't want me to tell on you, do you? No, ma'am. You do what I tell you to do. He would have never been able to have served God one day. People talk about freedom and they're sewed up in sin. They don't know what freedom is. They're locked up. They're sewed up and locked up either in a bottle or in some kind of drug or in some kind of habit. They don't have freedom. But when you have Christ, He can set you free. Indeed, hallelujah. Joseph's in jail, but he's a free man. Nobody's running and ruling his life. He's still serving the same master. And you can't tie God down. But if he had her, she'd have had him under his thumb his whole life. I'd have been awful. But he did. <laughs> but now let's look at the other side of it. He lost his job, he lost his freedom, he lost all that other stuff there. But if you notice what the scripture said about it, I'm talking about in comparison. If he had went with a woman, what he'd have lived under, and, and as a result of going with God. Genesis 41, verse 42. The Bible said, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand. Mm -hmm. 
That's pretty good, ain't it? And arrayed him in fine vestures. <laughs> he got him another coat. I don't know how much that last one was worth, honey, but it wasn't compared to that one. And by the way, he's got one more to go when he gets to glory. <laughs> Woo! And vestures of fine linen, and he put a gold chain about his neck. I ain't much for men wearing jewelry, honey, but if a king gives it to you, put it on. Look at it. I'm talking about the comparison of going with God and giving in to the devil. There's a bargain here. Can you see it? And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Woo, what a deal. You feel sorry for him for going with God. You see him? That chariot, man. All that jewelry and all them clothing. Now I don't know that he did this, but I'm just going to suppose that maybe he did. I don't think he ever tried to get back at him. But could you imagine him calling two or three of his soldiers to him and saying, "Now listen, I want you to boys do an errand for me." Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know Potiphar, he's part of the government, yes, sir, yes. You know where he lives? Well, we think we do. Well, I'll tell you where he lives. I want you to go down there this morning, and I want you to knock on the door. He said, his wife will probably come to the door. Don't go in, whatever you do. Don't go in. <laughs> when she comes to the door, here's what I want you to say. Don't say, just say this. My master sent me down here and he said he wants his coat. <laughs> he said, she'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> Find him as they come by with that coat. And old Joseph hangs that coat on one of the knob, golden knobs on that chariot. Riding down the streets. And singing that old song, Look what I've traded for a man. <laughs> he said, I made a real deal. When I left that coat behind. Imagine when we get the glory and we see old Joseph what a wonderful day that's going to be as we fellowship with him. And we said, Joseph, would you tell us one more time what's the best deal you ever made? Ah, he said, the best deal I ever made is when I left an old garment behind that eventually rotted away. I 
and I went with God on Can I say to you, young person tonight, the devil's got a lot to offer you out there. My heart aches as a result of that. But I've got a real deal for you. If you'll go with Jesus. I've never met an elderly person in my ministry. God has put many elderly folks in my heart. I've never talked to an elderly person that trusted the Lord and went with God that ever said, Preacher, I'm sorry I trusted Jesus. But I have met a many of them that said, Preacher, I'm sorry I didn't trust him a lot sooner than what I did. I'm offering you a deal. The best deal I know anything about, and I made it 31 years ago when I turned my back on this old world and went with Jesus. And I'm not sorry.